The Healthy Insights Podcast features conversations with the leading minds in the field of health and well-being. Our hope is for you to gain insights, learn something new, and discover some valuable takeaways from our fascinating group of guests. Host Jim Naram is a respected leader with over 30 years of experience in the employee health and well-being field. The Healthy Insights Podcast is brought to you by Asset Health, a comprehensive health and well-being services and technology provider. Asset Health's approach is based on actively cultivating the idea that your health is your most valuable asset. Hello and welcome. This is Jim Naram, your host of the Healthy Insights Podcast. My co-host for this episode is Charlie Esty, Senior Vice President of Strategic Partnerships for Asset Health. This episode's guest is Dr. Robert Karch, professor at American University for 52 years and counting and is someone that Charlie and I both consider a legend and an early pioneer in the health and well-being field. Dr. Karch is a professor in the College of Arts and Sciences Department of Health Studies at American University and was the founder and chair of the Department of Health and Fitness. He is also the creator of three academic programs at the university, the Bachelor of Science degree in Health Promotion, the Master of Science program in Health Promotion Management, and the Bachelor of Science program in Health Promotion. He's also the founder and executive director of the university's National Center for Health Fitness and the International Institute for Health Promotion. Known formally as Dr. Karch, he insists on being referred to as Bob, which reflects his approachable, humble, and down-to-earth style. Bob has received many awards for his academic research and leadership activities, including being the very first recipient of the United States Army's Commander's Award presented by General Maxwell Thurman for Bob's extensive health promotion, research, and policy development work for the U.S. Army and also was honored as one of 10 individuals in the U.S. selected as Healthy American Fitness Leaders for his personal commitment to physical fitness and his leadership in training other professionals. Bob attended the University of Maryland and received his bachelor's degree and was also a recognized Division I wrestler while there. He received both his master's and his doctorate degrees from American University. Bob, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being our guest today. Thanks, Jim. It's an honor to be with you, too. And uh, I'm co-hosted with this episode with Charlie Esty. Charlie, thanks for uh, co-hosting. You bet, Jim. I've been looking forward to this. As you know, Dr. Karch is, a, and I don't want to get funny, but is a legend in our industry. And it's a pleasure to uh, have some time with Dr. Karch and catch up on the past and the future. So glad to be on. Thanks, Charlie. I think I should go now, Charlie, after those comments. Before. <laughs> Coming it up for the next episode. <laughs> and uh, certainly, uh, Dr. Karch, I, I've always called you Bob, so I'm, that's what I'm going to do. But we certainly I prefer Bob. Yeah, and, and, but we certainly do recognize uh, that position that you have. But I'll probably refer to you in, in the first tense. So, uh, so Bob, you've been a professor teaching health and well-being courses to students at American University in the Washington, D.C. area for 52 years. I mean, that's hard to believe because we still view you as as being so young and energetic, which you are. But can you share what led you to the teaching profession 
And and who were some of the people that were positively influenced you to, to be a professor and a teacher? Jim, that's a great question. And, and you mentioned the 52 years, so I, I could have a very, very long answer. And being a professor, I prefer long answers. But <laughs> I, 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 I call it, uh, not to get spiritual, so on, I call it divine intervention because I could have just as easily, like most people, gone a different direction and gone, period, uh, when you think back on life. But I, I went off. I grew up in a little wee town in central Pennsylvania, Mill Hall, Pennsylvania. Uh, you wouldn't know where that is, but if you knew where Penn State is, which you do, and if you knew where Lock Haven is, which you possibly do, there's a little cut in the Pennsylvania mountains, and in that cut in the mountains is a little town called Mill Hall. It was a grist mill, and my father and, and my uncle built a hardware store there in 1945. I grew up there. Um, uh, I, my high school was Baldigal, Nittany, two, two valleys coming together. Uh, phenomenal mentors. Uh, I could spend the rest of our time talking about the people that were so influential in my life there in my sports world and academic world. I'll give you just one. My high school wrestling coach was George Armstrong Custer III, as being as being General Custer's uh, grandson. Oh, my gosh. Uh, phenomenal. He held the record for the most wins in the state of Pennsylvania. One tough individual lightweight mathematics teacher, but a tremendous mentor. And, and I have so many others that touch me as we all have coming through uh, our undergraduate. Went off to University of Maryland, uh, 1963. I, I was gonna study business. I was gonna go back home, take over my dad's hardware store and live happily ever after Mill Hall, Pennsylvania. Well, things change. Uh, really didn't like business. I loved physical education. I was taking all the courses I, I, I could possibly take in phys ed as electives. I finally changed my mind and wanted to be a coach and a physical education teacher, switched and can, completed my degree in exercise science. And, and you know, I can go on and on and on, Jim, from there. But the bottom line was uh, that's what brought me to the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. I've been here ever since. I finished my undergraduate work. And then immediately when I finished my wrestling career at Maryland, I got a head coaching job at Catholic University, walked from oh, wow. my, my senior year to head coach at Catholic, teaching at Catholic for two years, then uh, moved over in 1969 to American University as a faculty member, wrestling coach. I coached there for 10 years and taught exercise science and other things. And uh, it was there in my dissertation, I did a doctoral study, uh, developed a program to train people to become athletic directors, because that's what I always wanted to be, was an athletic director in college. And uh, there was only one school in the country that had a degree. I developed a, a master's program that was business and sciences both. And in the process uh, was about the same time, you guys might remember when corporate fitness was taking off. And many of my exercise physiology friends that I used to help develop my doctoral dissertation were leaving the academic world to go into the corporate world. And it was at that point that I took the opportunity to develop a master's program, looking at the same training, business and sciences, uh, to develop the master's program in health promotion management. And uh, that started, we took 15 students. Uh, the dean would say, well, Bob, I don't think you're gonna get 15 students. Uh, you, rarely do we start a master's program, we get 15 students. But as you guys know, that was kind of a hot time. And a lot of people who were just great coaches, great educators, exercise individuals uh, were moving to that. We did get 15, uh, got 15 the next year. And they said, can you get 30? I said, no, nope, we want 15 a year. And that's what we did. And 
we still do that, matter of fact, many, many years later. So that's the short history, maybe more than you you uh, wanted to hear up front here. But uh, So it's been a blessing. I've been at American University. I think I'm on my third or fourth president there. But it's been a great run. And obviously, being in Washington, D.C., and uh, I could drop a bunch of other names, uh, Richard Keeler, who's a mentor for for us, all of us, and, and Casey Conrad. Back in the day, I just was in the right place called Divine Intervention to meet the right people who could guide this little boy from Mill Hall, Pennsylvania through this experience and then meet such wonderful people throughout the United States and then globally. That's a whole nother discussion. But I hope that lays the foundation. Jim. We've been blessed. Our master's program uh, has been very successful. We have such wonderful individuals now in many parts of the world that have come through our program. Bob, when you think about your curriculum, obviously, the American University Master's Program Health Promotion is recognized for not only all the technical aspects, but administration and management, marketing, certainly the graduates understand the importance of financial statements and profit loss. With all the new technology, the, the, the zillion apps about improving your health and well-being, is, is technology become part of your curriculum or do you align with other departments within the university for electives? Good question, Charlie. Uh, I, I'm not sure, uh, uh, honestly, uh, what we're doing in a meaningful way, uh, mainly because the last going almost two years, year and a half, year and three quarters, the university has been basically shut down. Yeah. Acting on classes. So this is uncharted waters. But historically, uh, from the very outset, uh, the dean of the School of Business was my close colleague in putting the master's program together and the, the deans that followed that. And then one of our best professors, Fred Carson from our chemistry department that taught courses on exercise science and nutrition and biochemistry and so on. Uh, and I, again, we just were blessed with drawing faculty from across the university mm -hmm. that uh, not only were really good faculty members, they also believed in the process at that time. It has changed, Charlie. Uh, we, we were very, very fortunate at that time to uh, attract the attention of some of the very best equipment manufacturers in the, in the country that wanted, I, I asked and they said, yes, could we, could we use your stuff? And they, they equipped the Dennis Kaiser being a classic one. Dennis provided our, our university with a complete set of his Kaiser stuff in the early stages. And it's a wonderful, a great guy that we both know. And I could go on and on. The metabolic carts, uh, Beckman metabolic carts. On. We had a fully equipped uh, state-of-the-art exercise science laboratory for our testing to go along with the, in the training of our students and then to go along with um, contracting we did with a lot of military personnel. We did a lot of civilian people in the military who didn't have access to the kind of testing that they were using on the on the officers and and the and the people in uniform? We did hundreds, if not thousands, of, of uh, testing and so on. So we had a, a working laboratory where our students, the bottom line, our students had the opportunity to meet these people, work with these people, and when they showed up for a job interview, they not only had the business experience and the degree, they had hands-on experience in the Pentagon. Uh, one an FBI Academy, on and on and on. So we we really were in the right spot at the right time sure. uh, to get a, a solid foundation for our academic program. And then 
as they moved on in their careers, they were reaching back for those young students coming through as a feeder system here and right parts of the world. Well, yeah, I mean, there's the long legacy of graduates of your American University program that are out in the field and still making great contributions. And that's really where they started. And I think you touched on something that that has always been a, a big part and a contributor to the field is, is that hands-on experience. It wasn't just classroom learning, but um, you had a number of of contracts and relationships to uh, to really provide those hands-on experiences. So, so I have a question. So, of you know, you've been at American University for fifty-two years. Have you ever calculated how many students have gone through your program in total? You know, I don't know that number. <laughs> what, what would you guess? I mean, it's like okay, 15, 15 masters programs. You know, fifty-two years or. But there were others. Well, we 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 brought we brought fifteen a year for now, uh, possibly forty years, right? Uh, sometimes more. But that's just that's just our master's program. We have an undergraduate program in health promotion, and we've more recently started a program in really more in the uh, maybe the health the health sciences rather than the exercise sciences or the corporate fitness sciences. So. And so we have a, a large number of students, and then it, some of them move within and among between our various academic units because they want a mix of exercise science with their public health. You know, from the master's program, it's been 15 a year for, uh, let's say, 40 years, something like that, whatever that number is. Um, we're always looking for uh, the next student and the next students and what they're interested in. And we uh, just... Philosophical thing. I I was never big on uh, having fifty applicants and rejecting you know thirty five of them to get the fifteen that we wanted uh, to the program. Uh, I would interview students. I would find out if they were sincerely first aware of what we were attempting to do and 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 the the, the output we were trying to produce. Uh, and if they weren't, if it wasn't a fit, I would ask them to withdraw their application rather than be denied into our program. Now. So I couldn't brag, oh, we only accept 10% of our applicants. We wanted, you know, it's like uh, the Marine Corps, a few good men and women in our program and, and a fit. So they knew exactly what they what they were getting into, what we were attempting to provide for them and prepare them for. And so when they hit the ground running the first time, they knew what the race course was going to be. And not just the academic program, both in our uh, academic world and our business faculty with our science faculty. Uh, our exercise faculty, but also the employers that they were going to be exposed to in the federal government, all defense agencies and government agencies and private sector agencies, where they were doing their internships. So they could walk out with their degree and say, oh, by the way, I spent the last year and a half in the Pentagon uh, testing you know, or whatever it may be. So it was a mixture. So of your time teaching and coaching, do you have two or three accomplishments that you're particularly proud of? Oh boy. Um, well, you know, when you're, when you're the head coach, you get credit for the wins, you know, when you're the, the faculty leader, you get credit, more credit than you deserve. In every case, it was the individuals that were in my case on the mat uh, or in the Pentagon or doing the testing or writing articles. I mean, it was really a clue. I, I was, to part of a team and it was great to be. But one of the things that I think I cherish the most is I've met so many wonderful people from, I mean, presidents, 
uh, certainly senior military leaders, many of which have passed, but individuals that laid the groundwork for the defense community uh, in every force, every force. Uh, Captain Bill Jackson comes to mind, ran the Navy's wellness program. When he retired, he came to the to the university and was my chief of staff, uh, Al Boccaccio from the FBI Academy. So he was the leader in the FBI setting. Bob Rogers also in the FBI. I could go on and on and on. Uh, Colonel Jules Betnick, one of the premier cardiologists of his time, Eisenhower's cardiologist. Phenomenal individuals that really supported what we were doing. Maxwell Thurman, General Max Thurman, Mad Max Thurman. Names. If you look these names up, these are legendary people that actually saw what we were doing embraced it, supported it, and then the leadership of the university. President Berenson at that time believed in what we were doing, the deans and the interdisciplinary approach of what we were doing. So there were so many people that actually um, really supported. And then inside our shop, I could name names, but I, I get scared to do that because there's so many, I'm going to leave somebody out. But the early adopter, David Stevenson, Dr. David Stevenson, uh, and, and his wife, Mara, uh, both uh, great, great individuals in our program. And Leslie Brousseau, Leslie Dempsey um, at the time, coming out of the military, coming over to our program. There are just so many people that contributed. They, they not only were good students, they brought with them real world experience and were very helpful in helping us design programs. So that's a, a, a quick, quick overview of just some of the people uh, that we were blessed to have come through our program, be around our program. And then the external funding, we, we were able to bring in literally millions and millions of dollars for our work and our research for the university, which we could then turn back into uh, programs and facilities, uh, travel expenses so our students that were doing work internationally could travel. So it really just, it was just a great run. And I, I'm making that too long and I apologize, but. No, this is all, this is all great stuff. We've been, we've been very, very fortunate. The leadership of the university, right today, the president of American University, Sylvia Burwell, former secretary of health and human services. At a time during a pandemic, it's very nice to have her in the, in the uh, leadership position. But we're also hopeful coming out of this that we have some initiatives that we're going to advance. Uh, some of you might, may try, you might have been there to uh, Airly, the Airly Conference Facility. If anybody looks at A-I-R-L-I-E, Airly, Virginia, Earth Day was founded there, and I've been around that organization for some 30 years. It's a long story, another time, but it was gifted to American University, about a $17, $20 million gift, um, uh, mainly because uh, we, we are going to try to perpetuate the, the health promotion wellness initiatives that was part of the foundation of Airly. So a beautiful facility. I, I'll be back to you two about some opportunities there as well. Bob? You mentioned much of the early work had a connection to the military or the government. And a lot of that, to me, was about programs that would enhance one's health, but more specifically, their physical health or energy. Um, and when you look at the evolution of our industry, it, it's gone from a focus on physical health and measuring change in our, our capacity to handle health and stress, to recently a broader focus on well-being. So adding to physical, mental, emotional health, financial well-being, social health, community health. We're even seeing career health now evolve. But with the pandemic, as difficult as it's been, 
what Jim and I are seeing in the market are decision makers within in many employers that they're recognizing we can't leave physical health as um, a secondary focus. They're, they're finding appreciation. We want to improve health to help our employees prevent some of these chronic diseases, diabetes, heart disease. This musculoskeletal issue is exploding. So many employees have been sitting at their kitchen table for 18 months and discovering all kinds of musculoskeletal issues. But do you see from a university standpoint that, yes, we, we need to embrace a broader sense of well-being, but we, we've got to prepare our professionals to still address those elements of physical health because it contributes to energy and resilience, your ability to flourish. Can you talk a little bit about that aspect of not ignoring the importance of preventing illness and disease? I think it's an excellent uh, point, Charlie, and a very timely topic. I, I think, uh, and maybe this is uh, the old man in me speaking here, but uh, I, I think we we became sort of fiscally fit. We had a little money in our pocket. We became socially fit. We had all the right moves to, to have good friendships. Uh, cosmetically, we look good. We have you know nice warm ups and great tennis shoes and so on. But uh, where the rubber hits the road is, are we actually taking care of the body? It's like having a beautiful sports car and ignoring the engine. It looks great in the parking lot. You know, I could drive it around at 30 miles an hour and everybody said, man, what a nice car. But the actual the motor just doesn't perform it. We've neglected it. We haven't done all the appropriate maintenance. And so I think we've gotten uh, not that the psychological and the sociological and the spiritual are, are not important. I, I truly believe in all of those and there's components of them. But if we neglect just one of them, let's say if we just take the social, we become a, a social deviant, uh, that's not good. You know, we can be perfect in all the other ones. And we've all seen the circles and how they interrelate to the total well-being. You know, I think we've been given, uh, so all of us, uh, the precious gift of having a body, having life on this earth, no matter where you live, what language you speak, uh, what your heritage is. I think we have a responsibility uh, to educate people to take care of that body in every way, in all of the do domains that we look at. I think we've been neglecting the, we can dress the part, we can talk the part, we can go to all the athletic events, sporting events, we can be up on the latest scores of the baseball games, you know, but can we actually go for a, a nice walk with our grandchildren? And are we taking care of ourselves so we, we can be all we can be? We don't know what that's going to be. We all have limitations. There's a time in life for all of us that's going to happen. There's a life cycle. But we don't have to neglect it back to the car. We do have to change the oil. We have to keep it tuned up. We have to drive it around so that it functions and works, for lack of a better thing, in the car itself, in the body itself. But it doesn't have to be marathons, as we all know. It's not a lot. And then nutrition side. And then what we think and what we believe and how we feel about ourselves. All those are important. And they sometimes get neglected with a new fad or a new fashion that comes down the line, which is great. Sometimes those are really good, but we still have to stay focused on the fundamental issues of uh, maintaining the body responsible for ourselves and those that we are responsible for or those that we can help through uh, various uh, settings. Certainly taking a whole person approach is, is imperative and it's incorporating everything and not neglecting 
you know, one element for the other. So Bob, you, you've been very actively involved in supporting and participating in a number of professional organizations over the years. Uh, I, I know that's, uh, Charlie and I would, would see you at different organization events and things like that. Uh, tell us about your connection with some of the professional organizations. And some of those have changed over uh, over the years. But talk a little bit about the importance of connecting with other professionals through a formal organization or just networking with uh, with people in the field. I could delve into maybe three or four different fields that I'm involved in even now. The three of us certainly know we watched the birth and the growth of the fitness movement and the early adopters there, the leaders there were leaders for you, were leaders for me too. We start naming names, we'll be here a long time, but they were there and the wonderful, wonderful people laid the foundation. I was pleased to be a part of the App Dibian and other programs since that time. Uh, I'm still involved there on, on some numerous boards. So that, that's continuing. Uh, it's taking some new forms. There's been some mergers. Uh, I'm proud to say Wolf Kirsten has been a dynamic leader in that space and has just, as you both know, consolidated, uh, uh, which I think is a wonderful strategic move for everybody, every organization to really have a global focus, um, and not just a national, but a global, and we can make this world smaller and smaller. And, and get to meet professionals all around the world. So I think Wolf and, and Tommy Hutchinson are doing a great job and you guys have been supporting that, which I really appreciate. Um, so in the health and fitness, I think we're making progress there. Um, I have other hats at the university. When I stopped coaching uh, shortly after that, I was asked to take a role in our, in our uh, conference. Uh, we're in the Patriot League, which is just a phenomenal conference, great institutions in that conference. And I'd been a board member there. I chaired the policy committee for the last two years. So I had my fingers in that uh, a little bit and proud to represent the university and work with colleagues, like-minded colleagues in other universities in the Patriot League, which are just special people and helping athletes and athletic programs in those institutions stay on course, even given the disruption that we've had. I'm uh, very involved in our Presbyterian Church, as as is Karen uh, here in, in Potomac. Uh, that's been very, very special calling for us. I mentioned Airly. I'm, um, there's a long story there. Airly is about, uh, uh, about 100 acres, a little bit more than 100 acres. There's an, what used to be Airly, which is 900 acres uh, adjacent to that. I'm vice president of the board there. So we're looking at trying to bring those units back together. So I have a number of different hats on different organizations that I enjoy. I really, um, for me, I, I call it continuing education because like you all know, and you sit in those board meetings, you talk with people and you really get a perspective uh, on, on, on the topic that you're focused on. It's, an, it's a continuing education process. So I think it's kept me fresh, um, hopefully informed and, and sharing where I can but um, I'm still very committed to uh, this career path that both of you are so familiar with and what we might do to try to enhance that process as I think, and I'm hoping that more and more, uh, I look at the corporate wellness side, corporations are gonna understand just how important it was and how it needs to be moving forward in this person concept. And I know you two play a role in that as well, a very important role. You mentioned you mentioned a, a real diverse set of uh, connections and business and leadership and even faith based your your involvement. It, 
reminds me of another fork in the road where we're at. Do you see employers or organizations getting more comfortable with a concept that's been around with the YMCAs for many years, mind, body, spirit? We're seeing today organizations wanting to connect good health with purpose, with flourishing. And um, I'm curious, when you hear me ask about spirit, um, are you comfortable with that? I think you might be because of your your connections outside. But what I would add, I remember years ago, the Aetna had a full-time pastor to handle um, employee family issues for employees. This was up in Connecticut, very innovative. And then my work with the United Auto Workers and many of the manufacturing plants, there was a strong faith-based aspect to work-life balance. And yet, I can't say that it's jumping out, but this I'm wondering if spirit um, and its relationship, not to any specific faith or religion, I don't want to get political, but that aspect of purpose and spirit, what do you make of that kind of a question even? Is, is that something you've been thinking about or is that still, yeah, it's, it's, too, it's too controversial, but do you see it have a role in our health and well-being? I do, and uh, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I get it. Uh, I've gotten to the point at my age where I'm I'm not nervous or embarrassed or uh, hesitant about sharing my my faith. I mean, I, I I can if we had more time, and you don't want to have more time on this topic, but I can tell you uh, two or three situations in my life where I'm lucky to be here. And why I'm here, I'm not sure, but and I think there was some purpose why why the good Lord said, gosh, you got a little more time to put in here. Don't think you're getting out early, you know? Um, and then the other one is, um, and this may sound, uh, I don't know how it would sound, but I, the word love, just, we've, we've kind of lost it from the camera. That, had, that doesn't have a, uh, you can tie it to a faith if you want, but uh, maybe maybe we learn it, and maybe I learned it with with my grandchildren, telling them I love them and my wife, and you know. But I I'm to the point in life where a person could punch me in the mouth and say, you know, I say you're clearly having a bad day. You know, <laughs> God bless you, you know. Uh, and maybe, maybe we'll be friends sometime, you know, or or you know, coming through the combative world of wrestling, you know, walking out on a mat all by yourself, and you either pound on somebody, they pound on you. Uh, and it's it's a real deal, and you guys know it. You've been in the confrontation settings in our sports world, and uh, but you know you shake hands after the match, after the event, you shake hands, you walk off, win, lose, or draw, and you go back to work, and you walk out there again and again and again. And that's life, is it not? You walk into a job, you walk into a tough situation, personal, uh, business wise, social, whatever it may be, and you you say, "Gosh, we're in a, we're in a tough spot here," but let's get to work and let's stay focused on it. So I think that uh, the, the faith-based thing, I don't advocate for any one particular faith-based, but you believe in yourself and, and you know, if you get back to the foundation of how we maybe got here, um, we, we have a purpose. Maybe, maybe we go through life trying to figure out what that purpose is and do the best we possibly can. Not perfect, but we try to do it. So I, I think it plays a role. I'm not advocating that everybody has to have it or what they have or how they believe it. First, you have to believe in yourself. That's faith in itself. You don't believe in yourself. You, you, you know, we don't have to go any further than that. You know? And believe 
believe in others that you're trying to help pick up if they're down a little bit. I'll stop on that, Charlie. I I appreciate your your comments, and I I know Jim has other questions. I want to get back to that, but um, at the end of the day, when you think about results, results are about participation and engagement and and an outcome. And as we now embrace programs for millennials and Generation X Y Z, we need to understand what they're interested in, what motivates them. And I think that the concept of, of purpose is, is the roadmap to what we might look at, you know, faith-based programming or, or whatever. Um, so it is important. And then finally, um, you mentioned love. That, to, again, where I grew up, we weren't running around. I love you all the time. It just wasn't the culture, but in my, my wife's family, it is. And I credit our CEO, David Wilson, in one time in a meeting with me, we were talking about engagement and results and collaboration. And he said, you know, Charlie, it's about love. You know, it really is. And servant leadership and, and caring for others. And I thought, wow, at a business meeting. And I really appreciated that. So the fact that you mentioned that attribute, too, that might be with purpose or faith, or how do I love myself? How do I love others? That might be in the frontier of wellness programs down the road. So Jim, I want to get back to you and your questions, but Bob, Bob and I could have our own podcast, I'm sure. Charlie, Charlie may, I, may I follow up? I'll just give you one to, to plug into this and you can use it as well. Both of you guys can. I think you guys saw it. I know I did. Uh, there was a program called Mr. Rogers. And he looked into the camera and he said, I love you just the way you are. You remember that. You go back and replay it if you didn't catch it all. I love you just sure. the way you are. I mean, that, that didn't, that wasn't a faith-based thing. That wasn't it. Just, hey, I care about you. Right. You know? Right. And I candidly, at, at 76 that I am now, uh, kids that were so important in my life and, and they, maybe me and theirs, is it wrestled for me? Now they're they're in their sixties, approaching their seventies, you know. And I say, hey, hey, I love you, man, you know. And, and I do, and their families. And so, I, I don't I tie that to a faith. I could, I suppose, telling somebody you care about them, finding the right words in a short period of time. Because we, we we don't know when time may come, and you, you may not have that opportunity. They may part, we may part, whatever it may be. So I think it's a way of sort of saying, hey, we can differ on a lot of things, but I love you. You're a good person. I care about you. I care about your family, period. Now, I, I think I'm not worried about the repercussions. They say, well, I hate you. That's okay. I understand, but I still love you. You know, That's a whole other topic another time. We'll do a love show sometime. There we right? go. There we go. Well, I, I I think it's it's absolutely part of it. Uh, it that and gratitude and and uh, and a number of those other things. They're 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 not political. They're not aligned with one particular religion or faith. But uh, but it is part of a an overall uh, positive attitude and which absolutely is related to health and well being. So, Bob, what do you see as some of the the biggest trends? challenges and, and really maybe opportunities in the health and well-being 
field now and for the future. And I know Charlie feels the same way. Uh, we look at the future with hope and and positively. Uh, there's certainly some challenges now that it, we've gone through over the last year to year and a half or so. But uh, but what do you see trends and and you know talk about your hope for the future? I do believe a, a number of people have, because they've had a change in their work environment, they're working from home, as stressful as that is, I think people are getting out, they're walking, they're trying to maybe do some things they didn't, they didn't make time for before. They may had time, but they didn't make time for it. So I do believe, and the consciousness of, of having lost individuals, as we talked about earlier, um, is what can I do to take care of myself? So I think that there's, there's a foundation now, there's a readiness to do it. But just maybe, and I look for a, a silver lining, if there is a silver lining in this storm cloud, that uh, maybe people are going to be not just their physical health, but their mental health, their social health, their spiritual health, their social relationships, the importance of family and friends. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that more and more activity will be there. How do, how do we, you know, how do we help people themselves? What are the little things I mentioned already the walking you don't need somebody to go walking with you in most settings if you're capable of walking and so on uh even if you walk within your own home there are a number of things one can do obviously proper eating and, and sound habits they're all the basic things uh as people are looking for what can i do so i don't get this pandemic i can get a shot i can get a booster i can get another booster well we can also boost our our, our physical activity our, our positive thinking and so on. So I, I don't have the answer because I can't say we're going to all get together and go exercise because that's not going to happen for a while. I'm, I'm, what's going to happen to that industry? Even be the corporate setting, which you guys are also familiar with, or the social setting, the, the, the spas. I did hear, I did hear that there's an uptick in the purchase of home exercise equipment. That doesn't mean it's going to be used, but it's at least a positive sign in the right direction where people are isolated and now they want to do something to help themselves and, and, and try to maintain or improve their health. So I see that as being uh, something that's coming. I, I don't have my arms around it now. We need to prepare uh, our students at our university or other universities to be able to, to respond to that if, in fact, that is the case. I don't see us really quickly going back to the mode, oh, well, that pandemic's over and everything's fine. That possibly would be a mistake. Even, even if we could overcome that and have all the confidence, it still comes back to the individual taking the initiative that he or she needs to take, no matter how old, what their age are, what their health condition is, to try to be a better self. Um, and I think we, we as professionals need to uh, facilitate that, support that, and be ever ready to try to help somebody make that, make that transition. So, Bob, one of the things I, I ask all of the guests on the podcast is to uh, articulate the top three takeaways that you would want our listeners, if they remembered nothing else about this episode, what, what are the three things that the three takeaways that you would want listeners to remember from this episode? Oh, boy. That's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> it's a good question. It sounds like a comprehensive exam question here. <laughs> Um, one is, is that it really, uh, not everybody, not everybody has the ability to, to manage themselves, uh, be it age, be it mental condition, health conditions, and so on. I'd like to believe that everybody with the right discussion would want to do that. And for those who can, 
manage themselves or help manage others that they are close to, related to, responsible for. Um, I think this is an appropriate time to say, okay, we we maybe have resolved this pandemic by getting our boosters and getting our shots and so on. Maybe we can move through that like we did the polio era years ago. That's hopeful. Be hopeful that'll that'll pass. But in this pause, if you will, in in the life of everybody, almost. What can we take away moving forward? What what weren't we doing that we could do to have a healthier self for the next thing that comes down the line? Or just, just to be healthy. We realize that life uh, does have a beginning and it has an end. We just don't know when that end is. Um, and we often know nothing about the beginning until we, we arrive here. But whatever we have left, whatever TR, time remaining, we have, uh, uh, on this earth, what can we do to be the best person we possibly can be physically, emotionally, socially, spiritually, and, and, and all, and just sort of be a course in self-management. And the, the literature is available. There's so many websites. I do believe we're going to see an increase in the, uh, uh, the production of, of products and services that are going to be streamed into systems like this, where people can get the information. It's not to say that the gyms and, and the well-run facilities are not important. They are because they provide not only the proper exercise and conditioning and diet, they provide a socialization for some people that is really, really critical as part of that whole person concept. So I'm hopeful that for our industry, broadly speaking, it's going to be good for our professionals who are out there will take the time to adjust, to be able to meet the needs as they come to them. And then from the academic side, we need to adjust our curriculum. So we are preparing individuals who can meet this need uh, that's global and trying to help people, no matter where they are, understand where they are, help them move from the point A where they are now, right down to the B, the C, and, and they could be all they can possibly be. So there's a lot of work ahead. Um, right now, it's everybody get the shots. So they're we can maybe be be protected and we protect ourselves we're protecting others you two are classic examples and others that we know in our industry we have our work cut out for us to try to help people because i believe uh, more and more people are going to be looking for the opportunity the proper way to manage themselves they're going to this pause this very sad uh, time in our history may be that wake-up call by saying you know what yeah, I, I wasn't able to go to work, but I was able to maybe spend more quality time with my family or my friends. I was able to get out and walk a little walk with the dog or whatever it may be. And I think they're going to want to hold on to that. We need to find a way to do that. So I think some of the work environments, as you guys know so well, are, is going to be changing because maybe you're only going to be in the office two or three days a week as opposed to five days a week or six days a week or seven days a week in some cases. And in those off times when we're at home or at a different setting, we can find that window where we can do something to help ourselves. I think it behooves us as professionals to provide the the apps, if you will, the, the written material, whatever it be, the self-help material that says, here's what you can do. Here's what you can do. And you don't have to be running marathons or losing 100 pounds in a week, you know, but here's what you can do one step at a time to be a healthier you, to be all you can possibly be. So I think from, from us from as professionals, I think we have our work cut out for us. We have a teachable moment, as we would say in the classroom, and we, we don't want to look back a year or two from now and say we, we just didn't show up in the classroom. I think we need to do that. All of us as professionals and, and lay leaders, if you will, um, need to do that. 
I think uh, focusing on the opportunities uh, that are are presenting and, you know, certainly recognizing the challenges uh, along the way, but also looking at the, at the opportunities that could, um, you know, that this, this time has created that maybe didn't exist before, uh, is, is, is encouraging. Uh, Bob, thank you so much for being our guest. Uh, this was, this is a fabulous conversation. We've known, you know, both Charlie and I have known you for so many years and value the friendship and value the, the, uh, professional leadership and contributions that you've made to the field. So it was it was a fabulous conversation. Well, thank you very much, both of you. Uh, and again, I've learned an awful lot from you too, but I'm not going to give you credit for it, okay? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Just know that I'm still watching and learning. Okay? So <laughs> being good. you and what you're doing, it, it, it's really a privilege to be with you. It's been really, really special, our friendship over the years. And uh, just let me know if I can do more to support you. And thank you for this opportunity. Uh, this is really special. Thanks to both yeah, of you. This is, this is terrific. Charlie, any last words? No, I. Uh, it was a pleasure. Um, thank you, Dr. Karch. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app or player. We also encourage you to rate this podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.